0: The Prairie Dock Radio Program. Rick Holm, our Prairie Dock, has unable to be with us today. So I'm happy to welcome Kenrick Malmberg, a family medicine physician with the Avira Medical Group Brookings. Dr. Malmberg, I know you're new to the Brookings area, but you're not exactly new to the Midwest. Except you grew up in Washington D.C., started there. I'm just curious to know how your medical practice brought you here. Can you kind of give us a life story? Well, actually,
1: it wasn't so much the medical practice brought me here. I came here and came to South Dakota in 1983 in the military. I'd gotten my first degree uh, in aerospace engineering, uh, went into the Air Force, uh, ended up being a navigator, and stationed at Ellsworth Air Force Base. Uh, I heard that. I said, oh my gosh, that's as far north as you can get without being northern tier, and (laughs) came out here preparing to not like it and absolutely fell in love with South Dakota. Uh, so they, when they wanted to move me south, I said, no, I'd rather go uh, someplace else. They sent me to North Dakota. I uh, spent another six, I spent five and a half years in South Dakota, six and a half years in North Dakota before I got out of the service. Went back, did a nursing degree, and then a medical degree at University of North Dakota. Uh, went out to Wyoming for residency and got an offer to South Dakota and Mobridge, South Dakota. Uh, and moved there in 2007, uh, and loved being out there. Uh, but when I, I got married within a year uh, of being out there, and uh, we started having kids, and Brookings was just such a better place to have children, so we moved to Brookings uh, two years ago in uh, 2014.
0: Well, we're all the better for it. We're really glad you're here, and. Uh, you were Air Force to begin with, You're aer- an aeronautical engineer, went into nursing school. You just couldn't stop. You really love school, I take it.
1: Yeah, I can't figure out what I want to do when I grow up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we hope you've reached your goal now, and we'll stay in Brookings. We're going to take our first break, but we'll be back to discuss medicine right after these words. Attention all hunters. If you are not exercising daily, it is time to get started before you exert yourself in the fields in the quest of the elusive pheasant start with a walking program and then add physical activities that you enjoy like biking swimming and running add a strength training program to prepare yourself for carrying your equipment if you have any shortness of breath or chest pain please see your provider before you get out in the field this could save your life call your health care provider at the Avera medical group brookings at 697-9500 <coughs> welcome back to Prairie Dock Radio. I'm happy to have you listening today. Dr. Holm is unable to be with us, but we're very pleased to welcome Dr. Malmberg, who is a family, oh, let me think. You are a family practice physician, correct? Correct. So what's the difference between family medicine? How does it differ from general practice and internal? They all sound somewhat the same, but they must not be.
1: Well, no. Uh, first, uh, general practice is a an old term. It comes from back when doctors would get out of medical school, do a year of internship, and then just go into practice and they would see patients and do whatever they felt comfortable doing. That was general practice. It's uh, people who did not go into a residency program. Internal medicine has been around for quite some time. Uh, it, between internal medicine and surgery, they're some of the oldest uh, b- residencies and the internal medicine is a three-year residency. family practice came about uh, looking at people who had a broader perspective, were seeing pediatric patients, uh, and doing obstetrics, uh, sometimes even surgery. So they came up with a three-year residency to deal with that. Uh, There's all sorts of Uh, fine words on it. Uh, My board, the American Board of Family Medicine, says family medicine is the medical specialty that provides continuing comprehensive health care for the individual and family. It is a specialty in breadth that integrates the biological, clinical, and behavioral sciences. Scope of family medicine encompasses all ages, both sex, each organ system, and every disease entity. So you, really, so, you cover a lot. So cover a lot. You do. Really, the big difference between family medicine and internal medicine is that we do see pediatric patients, and in some cases, and back when I was in Mobridge, I did this, uh, we do obstetrics. Uh, here, I'm not doing obstetrics. I don't think any of our family medicine doctors are still uh, actively delivering babies, but that was an op- that is an option for family medicine doctors that internists just don't do. Uh, but beyond that, uh, fairly similar uh, in what we do. We're the non-surgical special, uh, non-surgical specialty that deals with the entire breadth of a patient's uh, health, versus uh, dealing with a specific organ such as the heart or the uh, endocrine system.
0: So you really don't specialize in one thing. You just specialize in your patient
1: correct (laughs) right
0: and that's what dr Holm likes to talk about although he's internal medicine most of his patient load is probably 70 plus you know in yours you have them from infant on up i would guess
1: right we have the same group uh in some cases uh as a matter of fact i have a patient who is going to turn 100 years old this uh, month and i'm pretty excited about that Uh, but i also have uh, just picked up a brand new baby that i'll be seeing uh, here in about a week uh, that we'll be two weeks old at that point.
0: That's exciting. And I'm a sucker for babies. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, that's good. They're fun to be around. And they don't talk back to you. They might cry a little, but they really don't talk back. <laughs> there you go. Well, since you deal with children, uh, I know there's a lot of concern and talk about um, vaccinations and how much should you, should you follow all the rules on vaccination or can you lighten up? What do you think of why should people vaccinate their children?
1: Well, vaccinations have gotten quite a bit of press lately. Uh, Unfortunately, a lot of it negative and a lot of it just flat out false. Um, The reason that we do vaccinations in the first place is that we're trying to prevent disease, which is always better than trying to cure it. Uh, And some diseases can only be prevented, not cured. Example is measles. People say, "Well, so what's so bad about these?" You know, I uh, my grandfather had measles. Whatever else, uh, these are very serious diseases. In most cases, uh, worldwide, uh, there are 700,000 deaths per year from measles. Uh, there are 100,000 uh, children who go blind from measles every year. So it's not this benign little thing. Oh, look, you get some red marks on your face, you have a fever, and you stay home from school for three days that's not the case. Uh, Mumps, chicken pox the same way uh, I know that there's been a popular thing having chicken pox parties out there but uh, when we look at chicken pox yes chicken pox can even cause death Uh, and uh, there are a lot of uh, children who end up hospitalized from chicken pox and their parents are going oh well I thought it was this mild thing plus any adult who has had the shingles recently will tell you that no, chickenpox are not a whole lot of fun. Uh, so they're really uh, important to avoid those. Others, uh, the diseases are so terrible um, that even though they're not that common, uh, it's worthwhile avoiding them. Meningococcal meningitis, one of the ones that's uh, becoming more common as a vaccination, uh, And unfortunately, I had the statistics wrong, I had some old statistics, so I will apologize to my patients that I gave uh, a little bit off on the percentages. 10 to 15 of every 100 people infected with meningococcal disease will die from it. Uh, We had a death from meningococcal meningitis uh, from a college student here in South Dakota last year so it's
0: well, it's well worth vaccinating to avoid that and Go if ahead.
1: the if you don't die from it 11 to 19 of the survivor of the 100 survivors will have long-term disabilities uh deafness nervous system problems brain damage uh these you know again it's not oh well i got it i got better uh we're talking about a good uh 20 plus percent of the people that get this uh will never be the same or will be gone <clears throat> The other thing about uh, vaccinating is that there is something called herd immunity. Um, this one of my uh, favorite topics is to talk about this. When you vaccinate, you're not just protecting yourself, you're protecting everybody else around you because even the best vaccines are not 100% effective. Um, one of the cases recently that's come up, the acellular pertussis vaccination uh, they're estimating in the first year, it's only about 60% effective, 60 to 70% effective, and it goes down from there. Uh, so if uh, only I, if I have a newborn baby and only I vaccinate, I still have a one in three chance, uh, if I'm exposed to pertussis, of getting it and then possibly passing it on to my baby who has no immunity. And babies die from pertussis regularly. Uh, I, during residency, had a baby that we had to do CPR on three times uh, because she got pertussis before she could become vaccinated.
0: Is uh, pertussis the old-fashioned word was whooping, whooping cough? cough? Whooping yeah, cough, whooping yes. Cough. And quite whoo- dangerous and quite serious, but, you know, most adults have no idea what it's like because they've been vaccinated against it as a child, right. and they were saved from it, but it is quite, quite serious.
1: Yes, and unfortunately, it's, it's starting to come back. Uh, there was an outbreak in north dakota 15 years ago there has been uh, sporadic uh, whooping cough in south dakota
0: do you think that's occurred because um people have avoided immunization or vaccinations and think they're better off without it would that be the reason for it coming back
1: at least partially we know okay. that the measles vaccination is very effective and we know that we had a measles outbreak here in south dakota among people who weren't vaccinated uh, so these diseases uh, are around. They, w- uh, we have a great success story in vaccination uh, worldwide. Smallpox was eliminated by vaccination. The rest of them, we've never quite gotten that success rate. Uh, but, and so the diseases are out there. And it, th- when we don't vaccinate, when f- more people are not vaccinated, they last more. Uh, if, I'm, if everyone in this room is vaccinated and say I'm exposed to pertussis and then see you and then you see him, uh, if I'm 66%, then you only have a one-third chance of getting it. And if you see and him, he, he, uh, our, uh, see uh, Wayne, our station manager, then uh, we, he only has a uh, one in nine chance of getting it. And then, uh, so then when he sees his daughter who has a brand new baby, she has a one in 27 chance and the baby has only a one in 27 chance of being exposed to pertussis. That's a whole lot better odds than if you and I decide, uh, than if the three of us decide not to get vaccinated because, hey, I don't like shots <laughs> and, uh, so, so the, the baby gets that's a one the herd, chance. That's the herd immunity, that's the herd immunity. That, the more that we're protecting the herd, each other. That we are protecting each other. We are protecting those who cannot get vaccinated for whatever reason. And it only works if we have a significant percentage of the population that is vaccinated. If we have any significant percentage that decides, oh, well, I just don't like it, or I've heard this about it. Jenna McCarthy told me that uh, it's going to cause autism, uh, then... Uh, she must
0: be right because she's got that medical background right (laughs) yes
1: (laughs) and then we'll actually talk about uh, that uh, hopefully later in the show right
0: okay um you know just speaking of uh, diseases that you get as a child when i was a child there wasn't uh, a vaccine for measles and i didn't have measles till i was in sixth grade i had 20 20 sight perfect vision all until i was in sixth grade about a month after i got back to school because i was homesick for quite a while with the measles I couldn't see the blackboard anymore. School was almost out, so the next year I went to school and I could not read the blackboard. My eyesight was affected by the measles and I've worn glasses ever since and they my eyes have deteriorated over the years too, but it I don't there's no one else in my family. I'm one of seven kids. None of them were ever nearsighted in their youth. Never had a problem, but I had it with the measles. So there there really are results to having these that you'd you'd yeah. be happier that if if there's yeah. a vaccines are available get them for your kids we need to take a break now we'll be back right after these words hi welcome back to prairie doc radio i'm joan hogan here in the studio dr holm is missing this week he'll be back next week but in his absence we have dr kenrick malmberg from the avira brookings medical clinic and dr malmberg is a family practice physician so his patient load is he mentioned earlier he has a little two week old who's one of his patients and he has a woman turning a hundred. So you have quite the age group.
1: Actually, it's a gentleman turning a hundred. A gentleman. Okay. Yes. Quite a, quite a range.
0: Phenomenal. Well, because you have a younger population that you deal with, we've been talking about vaccinations and there's a lot of talk about them over the past 10 years. That's probably why some of these uh, diseases have come about. But um, what do you think are the dangers of vaccines that people are so worried about? How dangerous are they?
1: Well, there are dangers of vaccines. There's dangers in everything. Uh, I walk out the door here, I could get hit by a car. Uh, The vaccines do have uh, possibilities, including even death, but the rate of this is incredibly low. Uh, We are talking uh, one in 100,000 or less uh, in most cases. Uh, One of the neat uh, statistics that came up when we were talking about vaccinations at one of my uh meetings was that you are much more likely to be struck by lightning than you are to have a serious side effect from a vaccination uh, and so sh- people don't usually go well i'm not going to leave my house because i might get struck by lightning we go out in the rain all the time but we worry about uh, this one in a hundred thousand one in uh chance of having problems by uh Vaccination. Incidentally, I have been struck by lightning, <laughs> uh, and I. I hope
0: uh, this wasn't while you were flying.
1: Uh, actually, we were on an airplane that was sitting on the ground. Uh, we had just finished refueling. Uh, I was up at Minot Air Force Base, and the airplane that I was in was struck by lightning. We put, I, if I remember correctly, three people in the hospital from that. Uh, wow. I thankfully was uh, completely uninjured, at least as far as I can tell. Uh, <laughs> but I still get my vaccinations. You know, I've already had that. Uh, the, you know opportunity that impressive uh, uh, odds against me uh, but uh, I think that the you you're better off playing the odds and getting the vaccinations uh, doing that because the probability that you're going to have a serious complication from vaccination is fairly low now there are some people who will get mild symptoms uh, you know, uh, the classic thing is I always get the flu. I hear this a lot. I always get the flu from the flu vaccination. Number one, you really can't get the flu from the flu vaccination. It's not, there's no live virus. Uh, there's no active uh, virus uh, in there, but you can certainly get flu symptoms. And what, what that is, is your body is ramping up to fight an, uh, an invader uh, and that's your immunity kicking in. Uh, and that's a good sign. It's not the, the flu, it's not anywhere near as serious as if you had actually gotten the flu that you're vaccinating against. Um, one of the things that keeps getting brought up uh, is the MMR and autism that Jenna McCarthy, uh, <clears throat> the original, uh, the, there was a, a study published in Lancet uh, multiple years ago, and I don't have the date written down, Andrew Wakefield, uh, the lead investigator there, had actually uh, had a financial uh, relationship with some lawyers who were trying to get people uh, sued for making this vaccine, uh, claiming that it was autism. And there's very good evidence that they skewed their data. There's now a bunch of studies out. There's uh, some retrospective studies from uh, Denmark that show vaccination and non-vaccination data over literally decades and have not shown any uh, correlation between uh, vaccination with MMR and autism. The rates do not show a the the appropriate change that they should if it was because of the vaccination
0: i think possibly for parents um if you are the parent of a child that has autism you're looking for an answer why did this happen to my kid why possibly and then someone comes out and says it's probably the vaccinations you feel better thinking it wasn't me it was that rotten doctor that had me get the vaccination but overall it just isn't the cause and i think when there isn't an answer why your child has something, that's when you go to the charlatans, maybe.
1: Right, well, and I do understand, and it's uh, getting a diagnosis, especially if it's a serious case of autism, and autism has a full spectrum uh, from people who have functioned fairly normally all the way to uh, people who are basically uh, institutionalized because of it. And people are looking for answers. The one answer we can say is that we have not found a whole lot of evidence that it is something that parents did wrong, that, uh, you know, it's not, oh, well, you shouldn't have had that cigarette, you shouldn't have had this. It, uh, there, we're not sure why the rate is going up, but it does not appear to be associated with vaccinations. Uh, There aren't, there isn't something that we can put our finger on and say, this is what's causing it. And certainly this is not a good reason to not vaccinate um, because we have not shown that vaccinating later, that kids get a lower rate of autism if they're vaccinated at age two or age four rather than at age one, and they have a much higher rate of complications uh, if they get things like the measles at a very young age, or actually at uh, if you get all the way through to adulthood. Uh, so you really don't want to wait on the vaccinations, thinking, "Oh well, this will be safer for my child." There isn't evidence that shows that that's true.
0: Well you've told us an awful lot about vaccinations and I think it's such an important topic and a lot of our listeners might be more grandparent age but they're paying attention because their children are raising their grandchildren. A lot of them hear all this information and they just would like to be somewhat more knowledgeable and, and understand why these silly things come out and I think it's often it's like Dr. Holmes mentioned a couple of times, if there's no cure for disease, the charlatans roll in, because mm-hmm. then you'll believe anything will work. And that's, the, that's one of the problems we have, and that's the problem that we may have had with all of this negative information on vaccinations. We're due to take our final break. We'll be back right after these words. Hi, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We're happy to have you listening today. As I've mentioned, our in-studio guest with the absence of Dr. Holmes, is Dr. Kendrick malmberg who is a family practice physician with the avira medical group brookings so happy to have you with me today dr malmberg i had not met you before this has been very enjoyable for me hope it has been for you yes Um, i have been enjoying well good thank you well another subject could come up when you're talking about vaccines and this is one I don't know much about because uh, it came about after my kids were growing up, but I'm sure my grandchildren are getting this vaccine, the HPV vaccine. A lot of people say, I don't know why I should have the HPV, HPV vaccine. My kids aren't going to have sex. I know that. So why would I have it?
1: Okay. Well, first, uh, I will say thinking that your children will are never going to have sex is a <laughs> lovely thought in a lot of cases it's probably not true and people think of this as an STD vaccine it is not Um, the problem with HPV is that uh, it is not just a sexually transmitted disease anymore first HPV human papillomavirus uh, where there are different strains of it common warts are actually a strain of HPV so when you get a wart on your finger a wart on your foot that's hpv now the strains that we're fighting against are the ones that generally tend to be uh passed by uh, sexual contact but not always Um, why do we want to give them especially at younger ages i you know i'm hoping that uh, uh that 11, 12, 13 year olds are not having uh, sex too often. But what we do know is that uh, when we give at those uh, ages, we get a stronger response to the vaccine. And we're hoping that that leads to a longer uh, duration of action and a uh, more effective uh, duration of action. No vaccine is 100%. We if we get a stronger response, we think we have a greater chance of having immunity based on that, so better protection if we give them at a younger age. The second part of this, and this is really uh, fairly new, is that HPV 16, one of the strains that we vaccin against which we vaccinate, uh, is now the leading cause of oral pharyngeal cancer. Um, so cancers of the mouth, cancers of the throat, uh, which are not one of the most common cancers, but certainly are around. I've had several patients with them. HPV-16 is now beating out tobacco as the leading cause of oropharyngeal cancer. Uh, This doesn't mean you're safer chewing tobacco, but what it does mean is that (laughs) uh, people can get it. uh, And you don't get this necessarily from sex. This could be even from kissing. Uh, And if you're saying your 13-year-old isn't gonna have sex, yeah, okay. Your 13-year-old is not going to kiss anyone? Uh, I wouldn't bet on that. Uh, Lastly, this is a vaccination not against a sexually transmitted disease. We are vaccinating specifically against cancer. We're vaccinating against cervical cancer, anal cancer, oropharyngeal cancer now. Uh, And this is the only vaccination we have against cancer. This is a wonderful thing. Uh, My kids will get it. Uh, I can't think of a reason to not give a child this vaccination uh, because I don't want my kids to have cancer.
0: So it's a very good reason to uh, make sure that your kids are vaccinated. Do the schools, I don't know how, quite how this works, do the schools suggest the vaccines that you have at a certain age? Now,
1: some of the vaccinations that we have are mandated for schools and we get the, there are the Tetanus shots, the Tdap, tetanus diphtheria acellular pertussis shots are rec- mandated at certain ages. You can't get into kindergarten without getting your kindergarten shots, and there's uh, several of those. Uh, there are several. There are some that are recommended at this point. Uh, meningococcal last I had seen was only a recommended vaccination. The schools are recommending that one. HPV is not in that list. Uh, I guess the schools are not expecting the students to acquire HPV at school. Uh, so
0: so they're not not
1: requiring the vaccination what happened has to happen therefore is when parents come in to talk to us that's when i uh talk to them about these vaccinations and try to explain why we want to do them and i try to do that with the other ones too because i want parents to be thinking that these are good things for them Uh, i want parent to want to get the vaccinations. Another one that the school doesn't require, that is still a gr- good idea, flu vaccination. Uh, the vaccinations are already out in the stores. Unfortunately, we don't have them at Avera, but we should within the next couple of weeks. Uh, and people say, "Well, what the heck? It's just the flu." Not last year, this last season, we had a wonderful flu year. But uh, two years ago, we had 25 people die of flu in South Dakota, and it wasn't just. Uh, the 99 and 100 year olds Uh, we had a college student uh, down in Sioux Falls we had a firefighter 30 in his 30s from Baltic uh, that died from complications of the flu so this is not some nice little oh yeah it's a bad cold and that's why we want to get these vaccinations out that's why we want to do it
0: well understandably so uh, we have learned a lot about vaccines this in the last few minutes, and I'm so pr- appreciative of the information you've given us. I'm curious, too, though, you have, you know, when your uh, patients come in, there's a certain age that you suggest different things. But sometimes parents, uh, there's regular scheduled visits with the doctor when your children are young. However, sometimes they just plain get sick, and you don't know. As a mother, it drove me crazy. Do I take them to the clinic? Do figure they'll get over it? What are some of the indications that you really should call and see a doctor for your child with various illnesses? It, it's always a quandary and a question for mothers to know what to do, mothers or fathers both.
1: And it's actually going to be different for different people. It's A lot of it is based upon your comfort level as a parent. I very rarely... Uh, In fact, I can't think I've ever chewed out a parent for bringing in their kids, saying, "I'm, you know, what's going on here?" Uh, We see in the clinic a lot of colds, uh, and the parents are concerned that there might be something worse going on. Uh, If the child has upper respiratory symptoms and a fever, there's a question: Is this is this uh, the flu? Is this pneumonia? Is this sinusitis? Does my child have strep throat? And sometimes it's difficult for the parent to see that. So if the child has a fever and you bring them in, I'm not gonna say, oh you silly person, why did you bring me a kid with a cold? Now colds, unlike we were uh, told when we were little kids, colds can come with fevers. Uh, In fact, I've seen colds with fevers up to 103, 104.
0: And it was just a cold, It was just
1: a cold. Okay. Uh, Well, just a cold makes it sound like colds are these nice little benign things, but (laughs) obviously when your kid is uh, looking like they're at death's door and have a a fever of 104, it's not. And it's okay to bring them to us and say, is this child healthy?
0: That sounds good um what about antibiotics i know you (laughs) haven't listened to dr Holm long enough but the man is so opposed to overdoing antibiotics are you pretty light on them as well
1: i try to be light on antibiotics uh the important thing to recognize is that if you have something that's fairly obvious obviously a viral disease you're not helping yourself with antibiotics i told my patient the only if you have a cold and i give you antibiotics the only thing i'm going to do for you is maybe give you either uh the diarrhea or a yeast infection to t- go with your cold so it's not very helpful we try to avoid them and humans are not like animals we're not trying to fatten us up so that we don't need to give ourselves pro- antibiotics just to help us grow bigger
0: okay thanks so much we do hope you've enjoyed our radio program we've run out of time but as always you can hear more from dr holm online at prairiedoc.org, where you may also learn more about the exciting activities of the healing words foundation Thank you so much, Dr. Malmberg, for joining us today. And thanks to all of you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio. I'll close with Dr. Holmes' weekly reminder. Stay healthy out there, people.